welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. So today, church family, this is the day of um, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And I just wanted to profile that. And that all came around me studying because I had to lead prayer for um, global prayer for the persecuted church. And I have to confess, the persecuted church is its not a people group that I've prayed for before. And um, the Lord dealt with me in that, you know, when I knew the opportunity came to lead globally people in prayer that would have prayed for the persecuted church was because he wanted me to awaken. He wanted to awaken me to this great need and prayer. So I just want to go through a few things here um, with you, and then we're going to second part today. We're going to deal with our, our members, our new members coming in. So persecuted church, just a few statistics here. Um, I'll hold up the map that's Open Doors. I encourage you all to join up, sign up with Open Doors. There's an app that you can download, and I've now downloaded it, and it gives you regular updates of attacks and different things that you can really pray but here's the map of the persecuted church you see from the very far east right through Middle East and right through across here into Africa is the most part where, and we're going to go through some countries, but where the persecution is the heaviest. Um, so there's more than 65 countries where Christians are persecuted. And around the world, more than 340 million Christians live in places where they experience high levels of persecution. 340 million Christians are dealing with high levels of persecution. They live in those places. That's one in eight believers worldwide. That's a lot. It's a high amount. The top 10 countries for persecution, according to Open Doors, is first North Korea, which, you know, they're um, coming out post-communism oppression. Then Afghanistan, which is, is um, the religion there is mainly Islam. Somalia. Africa, again, Islam, Libya, Africa, Islam, Pakistan, Asia, Islam is the main religion, Eritrea, Africa, Islam, the main religion, Yemen, the Middle East, Islam, Iran, the Middle East, Islam, Nigeria, Africa, Islam, and Christianity, and India in the Middle East, which um, is number 10 on the list of the, the most persecuted countries, and that's Hinduism is the main uh, religion there. Three um, countries which are most severe for violence um, is number one, Pakistan, heading up the list. So if you're a Christian there and you're found out, you're going to um, have a lot of violence to overcome. The second country is Nigeria. And thirdly, Congo is, is the third one, which um, they have to go through a lot of violence. Martyrs then, according just this year, Nigeria led the world with 3,530 martyrs confirmed by Open Doors for its 2021 list. Um, so Open Doors, there's lots of resources and things for small groups and churches. And, you know, we want to do more of this. If you heard Tash, I'm just delighted that she's picked up the heart of the house and the kids are going to be getting involved here, supporting and being educated about these areas and these countries where, you know, as I as a child wasn't. So I'm glad that our children are going to be, and they're going to keep them in prayer. Um, so if we can just play another video right now. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. 
What if your church had to meet in secret? What if spies watched your every move? What if following Jesus meant you faced violence or even death? Millions of Christians around the world experience these kinds of challenges every day. And these are the top 10 countries where faith costs the most. Number 10, India. Hindu extremists want to rid India of Christians and they are prepared to use extreme violence to achieve their goal. At number nine, Nigeria, where more Christians are murdered for their faith than in any other country in the world. Iran is at number eight. Secret house churches risk being raided by the police. If caught, be prepared for a long prison sentence. Number seven, Yemen, a war-torn country where Christians, if discovered, face the death penalty. Eritrea is at number six. If your faith is discovered, you can be imprisoned without trial in appalling conditions. Often, your loved ones don't even know if you're still alive. Number five, Pakistan. Say the wrong thing in Pakistan and the notorious blasphemy laws could see you accused of insulting Islam and sentenced to death. At number four is Libya, a lawless land with no freedom of speech or belief. Somalia is number three on the list. Somali Christians can't reveal their faith to anyone or they could be killed, even by their own families. Number two is Afghanistan. If they find out you're a Christian, you have a stark choice. Flee the country or be killed. And at number one, North Korea, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Informants are everywhere. Discovery means death, either by execution or by being worked to death in a labor camp. At least 340 million Christians around the world experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. What if you could help them? For 65 years, Open Doors has stood alongside the persecuted church, strengthening Christians who dare to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. Your prayers and gifts enable our underground networks to reach millions of Christians with emergency food and aid, spiritual care, smuggled Bibles and Christian books, training and legal advice. But more than that, your support means that persecuted Christians know that they are not forgotten, not alone. After all, these are not strangers and they are not statistics. They are our brothers and sisters and they need our help. So we have a church, as a church, have started to support now Open Doors Ministry. So on your envelopes where it's missions, if you want to go part of that or all of it to go to Open Doors, put in your envelopes. Carol will will assign that um, there. So as I said in the video there, we are one church and one family. And you know what? Um, they will have lots of needs, all of these people, especially as we've heard recently, the Afghan people being displaced 
out of their country, you know, imagine they're le- they've left their homes, families, uh, they'll have nothing, they won't have jobs and all the support. So you'd imagine number one is they need finance, they need jobs and they need housing. Yes, they do need all of that, but you know what the number one request? That the persecuted church is for us, that we pray for them. Their number one request is that we pray for them. And 1 Corinthians 12 and 26 says, If one part of the body of Christ suffers, every part suffers with it. So we pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen them with power and might through his spirit. And I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a minute, but we're not going to take a long time today. But um, some of the ways that you can pray just is, is that they'll understand the Father's love for them, that they'll understand that his grace is sufficient like it is for us and whatever we go through, it is for them that he would fill them with um, his joy and that they would rise up and praise him, that they would have strong encouragement, persevere and protection for, you know, for angelic interventions, that they will know where to hide, they will know and be warned of people coming to get them, um, that, you know, God makes a way, that God will make a way of escape for them, pray for provision and support from the body of Christ. Um, that, that, that just like in the early church, that today's church would rise up like never before and distribute finance and resources to our brothers and sisters who have need, that the church should be awakened to intercede and to pray. Uh, so um, we're just going to, and then pray for the families of the persecuted. You know, those have got horrendous news that they have to deal with. You know, young um, young women forced into forced marriages and rapes and so forth, violence, and they've had to deal with this news. Others, their families have totally rejected them, as we've heard in that video. Um, pray that they'll have new families, new Christian family that will take them in. Pray for boldness for them to stand up. The Lord says, in that hour, I will give you what to say. So pray that they will be given what to say in that hour and that they will be able to love their enemies, like we're called to love our enemies in the Bible. I pray that God will keep them in his power and that signs and wonders will be done through them as they go in the name of the Lord. Um, That they would be salt and light and pray for the persecutors because as they give their heart to the Lord, there'll be less persecution against the church. So pray for the persecutors. That's what it's about. The gospel being extended as well that their eyes are open to the light and soften the hearts. I pray for those salvations and the revival, that the underground church would grow and multiply with great acceleration in these days, and that a wave of revival would sweep across that Far East, Middle East, Asia, and Africa. Amen. So there's lots of things that we can pray into there. Just before we, we pray, I think it was Sharon um, from Ards that told me around the time of the evacuation in Afghanistan, about um, right then, you see, the Afghans knew all the Christians. They knew where they lived. They had them all marked out. And so that was the first thing. The reports was coming through from Trish and J.D., you know, our family who head out in overland missions. Uh, J.D. was giving us regular updates because he was in touch with, with friends, missionaries over in Afghanistan. And he just says they're going house to house to house, and you can only imagine what they're doing house to house to house. But there was this one um, that Sharon told us about, and, and I've l- read lately on Open Doors, 
was that Christians, you know, they just knew that they didn't have a way of escape on this occasion, and they knew the gunmen were coming. And they, one of the missionary, one of the missionary friends, um, had a, was on the phone to one of the one of the girls, the missionaries, in that horrific situation. And this girl was in South Africa, and she was just praying, just praying, praying, right to the end, standing with with her friend. And um, it just says at the end, she heard the gunshots just before that. The little one of the little boys says, "Mommy, I'm not going to deny Jesus." Gunshots, and that was it. Phone dead. So it's really real. And um, but they have asked for prayer more than anything else. I think we can do that, church. I think we can rise to a new level and do that. So let's rise now, and we're going to pray with many of our brothers and sisters around the world today for the persecuted church. Hallelujah. So, God, we just thank you and we praise you, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, for um, we lift up our brothers and sisters, Lord, in all of these countries, Father, around the world right now in the name of Jesus. Father, whether they're in a prison cell, whether they're in terrible situations, whether right now they're just about to be martyred, Lord God, whatever the situation, whether they're put into a forced marriage, Lord, whether they've been going through cruelty and, and rape and horrible things, Lord God, we can't imagine the pain, but Lord God, we, we ask right now, Father, that you're with them, that you're strengthening them, that even in the midst of these situations joy comes the joy of the Lord would be their strength and they would rise up God and praise you and worship you Lord that they would have strength to stand for you and keep standing for you Lord God that they will not deny you Lord God I thank you Father that all the provision that they need from housing to clothing to jobs to feed their families that they will get it in the name of Jesus and Father I just pray Father Lord for the churches just like this church that you need to alert at this time to keep these brothers and sisters in prayer and to send resources and to send finance. I thank you for mobilizing the body of Christ all over the world, Lord God, to stand with our brothers and sisters in this day and this hour, Lord God, as we are in the end of days, Lord, as the enemy is trying to do his worst, Lord God. He is trying to extend his kingdom, but we know that the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is burning brighter and brighter and brighter, hallelujah, and it is extending and the fastest growing religion if you call it that is Christianity and we thank you for that we thank you because you've already foretold it in your word Lord oh we thank you and we praise you Lord God that no matter what resistance comes Lord no matter what Father God I thank you that your kingdom is being extended around the world so we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah well let's be seated church and we Parents, I'm just asking you get behind that when Tash starts that with the kids um, in January. It's, uh, I'm just so excited that they're going to learn more about that. And it's going to be so educational as well, just learning about the countries and religions and population and different things. So praise God. Um, well, today is Membership Sunday, and so we're going to be welcoming some new members into the house, which is wonderful. Uh, we have seven new members we're going to be welcoming in this morning. But they have a membership form that um, a lot of us in here have, have already signed. We're members. So according to the Bangor Community Church membership form here, it lists um, a number of requirements to be a member of the house. And then we have a constitution. So they have read these, agreed with them, and read the constitution and, and agreed with this. But 
There's two scriptures on this here um, I just want to highlight today and use as a reminder for all of us who are members and part of this house and those that are incoming. And it's Ephesians in chapter 4 is the first one, verse 1 to 3. Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible here in my notes. It says, So I, Paul talking, the prisoner of the Lord, here he was in prison for his faith, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That is to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. A life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. You know, godly character, we've taught before, you can have gifts, you can have talents, you can have great ability, but it's character that you develop that keeps you. You know, God can't give you that character. That's the fruit of the Spirit that we develop, and that character will keep us. And verse 2, it says, With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control, with patience, bearing one with one another in unselfish love. That's a tall order. Bearing with one another in unselfish love. But that's what we've been called to do. It says, forsaking self-righteousness. We know 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. So our self-righteousness will get us nowhere. It's his righteousness. Amen. We're his righteousness. Hallelujah. And verse 3, make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, again in the message translation, it says, In light of all this, here's what I want you to do, Paul says. While I'm locked up here, a prison for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. Run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around in your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. And the other scripture on this form is Proverbs 6 and 19, and I'm reading in the Amplified, and it says, These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are repulsive to him. Strong language here. Seven are repulsive. And here's one of them. A false witness who breathes out lies, even half-truths, half-truths. You get a measure of the truth and you add a bit of, and there it goes out. And one who spreads discord or rumors among brothers. God finds it repulsive. Alan Redpath wrote that the secret of every discord in Christian homes, communities, and churches is because we seek our own way and our own glory. I want to caution us as a church. I want to caution those of you who are members and a part of this house and those that are coming in to membership today. The Satan wants to destroy. He wants to destroy any church. He wants to destroy any life. He wants to destroy any home and any family. 
So he, he will, that is what he's good at. That is what he tries. That's his job. And he will keep trying. But we've got the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to come against leadership in the house of the Lord. But we're not going to give him our mouth. We don't have to cooperate and give him our mouth. You know, people can come saying they've heard from God, but check they're not deceived. They can come and say this, and they can come and say that to you, but check they're not deceived. And I want to throw a caution out. Stay close to the leadership. Stay close to me and the elders. If you have a query, if you have a doubt, if there's something that you're not sure of, come to us. Come to us. I'm aware, as a pastor and eldership, you have to be aware at times when there's talk. The Bible says, Mark, uh, those who, we see, it's Romans, Romans 16, verse 17. And the Bible says to Mark, Mark those who cause divisions and offenses, and it's talking about God's people. Mark those sheep, so-called sheep that cause divisions and offenses. Now, we're all called to do that, but it's the pastor and elder's job in this house to mark those who cause divisions and offenses. So if you hear talk and you're concerned about anything, come and see us, because we are to protect the flock. Any pastor, any team in any church, that is the role, is to protect. That is what we're saying today, that as the... As the um, we are committing ourselves to the spiritual welfare of these members coming in and protection. So people can talk, people can go around the flock and they can talk. So it's okay that, that the pastor can talk as well, isn't it? Because we're called to protect. And um, just quickly, I just want to show you here before I've just another few wee things, a few scriptures. I want to show you a wee video. It's one that Mom actually brought to my attention. Do you remember a couple of weeks, um, Jonathan brought a tribute to Jackie Orr. Some of you maybe remember Jackie Orr served here. But he brought a tribute, and she was in a church. She recently passed of COVID, and she was the right-hand woman in in many ways, but certainly administrative, she did the kids' ministry and different things, to a pastor, John O'Hearn, at All Nations Church, Dublin. And mum must have been listening to this. It's two weeks ago when he preached, and she said, Karen, you should listen to that word that he brought. And I did. And I believe today, it just happened, we were coming up to Membership Sunday, and it was touching some of the stuff that, you know, I'm touching here about keeping the unity. I want to play, it's just about a 10 or 12-minute clip of Pastor John O'Hearn. And you may say, well, why are you playing, playing it? I'm doing it for two reasons. Number one, he articulates very well what he's talking about. And number two, it shows you another pastor and how he addresses and protects his flock. That's the reason for playing this. So go ahead, Ryan, thanks. Um, and you know, this is the thing. To be honest, we all experience not being included or valued at times, we may have been ostracized or attacked or excluded or lied or mocked about. Um, you know, I'm, I, I was amazed. I was just, uh, you know, looking uh, recently at, at, at Google for Google reviews, and I was looking up 
um, in terms of how you can question some things that are utter blatant lies. And uh, I was amazed that one of their issues was that truth is not relevant because you know it comes down to uh, you know one person's word; they're not getting involved. So I thought, you know, this is the world we're living in, where people can say all sorts of things about you uh, online, and that can be utter lies. But this is the world we're in, and this is why we have to look to the Lord. But you know, Isaiah 53 and verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as were our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. The Bible says he was despised and rejected by men. And so we must understand that long before we were rejected, that Christ was rejected for us. And through Christ, we can overcome rejection. You know, Matthew chapter 27, Christ was hanging on the cross. And on the cross, the Bible says that God turned his face away from Christ. Matthew uh, uh, 27 and verse 45. And it says, Now the sixth hour, it says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, laba shabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, in that moment, Christ was forsaken. Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this man is calling for Elijah. Meiji, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone, let us see if Elijah will come to save him. But, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of at the graves at the resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And so on the cross, God literally turned his face away from his son, Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he was rejected by God and forsaken by men. You know, Mark 14 and verse 50, it says, And they all forsook him and fled. The Berean Bible, then everyone deserted him and fled. Christ was abandoned. Christ was alone. You know, his very own right-hand man, Peter, had denied that he even knew him, not once, but three times, uh, you know, the night before. Christ stood alone at the cross on our behalf, bearing our sin and shame. As he hung there between heaven and earth as a cursed man. Galatians 3 and verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone hangs on a tree. That is why I will never be ashamed of Christ. I will never be ashamed of the gospel because He was not ashamed of me. He was not ashamed to hang naked on that cross, bearing my sin, bearing my shame, so that I could know His peace. Could somebody say, Thank you, Jesus? You know, Luke chapter 15 is such a beautiful story of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal went off into the world and into sin and he wasted his inheritance after saying to his father, essentially, I wish you were dead because I want the money I would get when you die. 
And yet he was there feeding the pigs and the filth and the squalor and the misery. And suddenly he came to himself and he said, I will now go back to my father's house. And as he did, his father was ready because every day I believe his father was looking down that long road where his son had gone, waiting for the day when his son would come back to him. And his father, instead of giving him one mother of a lecture or condemning him or, you know, relegating him to the level of a slave, it says his father ran towards him disregarding the protocols of that society in that day as an elder man you would never run yet he ran to his son and he embraced him in spite of the filth and the dirt and the rags he was dressed in he threw his arms around him and said welcome home son this is the gospel and that is why I'm not ashamed of it hallelujah because somebody say thank you Jesus you see, this story is a poignant reflection of the heart of God for lost and broken humanity. We are all rejected because of our sin, but the Bible declares that through Christ in Ephesians chapter 1, that we are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted right as you are with all of your issues and all of your situations that are going on. He accepts you and He loves you because He paid for your sins at the cross. Could somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Through Christ, we overcome rejection. Secondly, through Christ, we overcome deception. John 8 and 44 declares that Satan is the father of lies. And a vital principle for us to remember is that the father of lies always comes in disguise. Many times he comes to you through a person. Sadly, at times he will come to you through a believer. That person will come. And whether it's a minute or an hour or a day, they leave and they leave with your peace. They leave with your joy. They walk away with your hope. And you feel an utter despair as a consequence of what that person brought to you in that moment. The father of lies comes in disguise. Many times we'll be unaware of the fact that we're actually under demonic attack. And you might, you, at times we may say, I thought that was just happening. No, that didn't just happen. That was planned. Because at many times, there are satanic powers at work in the background. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then, if his servants masquerade as angels of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their actions. You know, over this last year, I've received a lot of criticism and condemnation. Much of it from believers. Most of it from believers. I think we need to become better as a church and as a society in understanding that there is diverse views and opinions and we need to be able to, you know, acknowledge each other without condemning or, 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 or damning each other. Amen. Remember, God is the judge. Amen. So again, it says... And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's interesting to note that both devils and men often work hand in hand. And like I said, sadly, I would include Christians in this. There are Christians who operate in a spirit of witchcraft. Generally, we ask people like that to leave because they're deceived. And there is usually no reasoning with them whatsoever because they are convinced that they have a hotline from God and therefore they're not open to receive any correction or advice. 
I've discovered you can't reason with a spirit. You can only cast it out. And sometimes it takes the person with it. But you have to watch out for people who have a pattern of problems in literally every church they join. The pastor and the leaders are always to blame. There's always some issue. When they join a church, it's just literally a matter of days, weeks, or months before there's some problem, some explosion. They leave an offense and go to the next place or they're asked to leave. Clearly, no church or pastor is perfect. But if you do find a perfect church, please do not join it because you will ruin it. Because I'm your pastor and I sure know you're not perfect. And I'm not perfect either. Amen? This is why we need to show each other some grace. But as a pastor, I do not show grace to wolves. I show them the door. You do not show grace to a wolf. You show it the door. Okay, I think that's important. I'm a shepherd. It's my responsibility to oversee this church that God has entrusted to my care. I make no apology for leading. That is what I'm called to do. I'm called to lead. So forgive me if I disregard the opinions of so many people out there. Because opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them, but I'm not going to sniff them. Keep it to yourself. Because when I see a wolf, my calling is to either chase them off or to shoot them in the head. I'm speaking figuratively, of course. Again, that's just for the fact checkers. They, them, he, her, it. Hi, guys. But I'm talking about the devils that work through people. One of the things that's happened over this season, during those long days and nights when I couldn't sleep at night, many times I was getting less than an hour a night and just, you know, you've no idea. It, it, it really, I just felt like there was just such a battle. But during those nights, I listened to a lot of Norval Hayes and, and, you know, a wonderful man of God. He had such a heart for the broken and the hurting, but he also had such a revelation on the reality of the spiritual realm. And, and during this last five weeks, I just feel like God pulled a curtain aside. And, and, and many of the things that I knew by the word of God, I, I, I experienced and I saw. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, I realize now that you know, many of the stances that we took, particularly in regards to the opening of the church, had much greater spiritual ramifications, influence and effect on this nation than we realized. Because you see, Satan wants the churches closed and God wants them open. And so, again, hallelujah, help me to finish this message, Lord. Again, let me clarify. I am not talking about people. Rather, I'm talking about the devils that work through people. Not the people themselves. Because as I read earlier, our battle is not against flesh and blood. People are not your problem, even if the problem is coming through people. It's the devils behind the people. But the sad truth is that there are people who walk in that rebellious, contentious, arrogant spirit, and they are deceived by the devil and are often even convinced it is the Holy Spirit working through them even though they're causing strife, division, and destruction. And I think that is so sad. This is why 1 John 4.1 says to, Beloved, 
do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Here John, the beloved apostle, isn't referring to the world. He's referring to the church. The book of John, I believe, is written to believers. And the devil, he's speaking, again, he's referring to the church and the devils that seek to operate in and through people to deceive and to hinder the work of God. Because many times the biggest hindrance to the work of God is believers. We need to get on our faces. We need to repent. And we need to humble ourselves before God. Too many times we're pointing our finger at a lost and a broken world, not realizing there are three fingers pointing back at us. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves... We would not come under judgment. This is a time and a season where we need to deal with our stuff, our baggage, our sin. Christ speaking of the end days in Luke 21 said, Take heed that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. And the time draweth near, therefore go ye not after them. According to Christ, the end times will be characterized by deception. Say not me. Thank you for that one person. Say, not me. Not my family. Not my church in Jesus' name. Psalm 119 verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, we overcome deception by walking in the light of God's word. By staying humble enough to receive correction. Again, it's so important for us to know we don't know it all. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't know it all. So listen, you might learn. 1 Timothy 2.14 And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Satan has sought to deceive mankind. This is what he did with Adam and Eve. This is what he wants to do with you if you let him. And this is why, like I said, churches need to be open. Why? Satan wants them closed. But this is why churches need to be open. Because we are directly responsible for proclaiming biblical truth to our generation and for shining the light in dark places. This is our calling. We are a light on a hill. You know, as you know, deception works best in darkness. Matthew 5.14 You are the light of the world. A city set in a hill cannot be hidden. Nor did he light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Did that help? So we love people, but we watch for things working through. So stay close, always stay close to the leadership. So that's for all of us and those incoming members. You know, BCC is moving forward, as you heard from Tash earlier. You know, toddlers are having, what, 69, 70 come out. You know, I arrived on Thursday, and there was no space even for me to park. Imagine that. No space to park. And um, I used to say to Carol, you know, some of the Hillmount um, staff, they park here, and I said... You know, if she can contact them and say, not on a Thursday morning because we're getting that many cars now, which is great. And we want to have space for mums to unload and daddies. There's, there's quite a few men here as well. On a Thursday, we're, we're going to be developing life groups. So within this next two weeks, I'm meeting with the life group leaders. Uh, we're going to be pushing into our life groups come uh, January. So that's going to be exciting, getting a fellowship and all there. And again, as you heard, we're having a music workshop, our first one starting on, on Saturday morning. 
You've heard what's going on with kids and youth and, and facilities. Deacons are very busy organizing things, developing things. And there's just a few pictures as well, just as, as we come to close and invite our, our members in. I just want to... So there's a, a good picture of unity. See all these birds are flying in one direction? Just think for a minute, if one of those birds turned around, what would happen? Anybody shout out? What would happen? There'd be a bit of a, an accident, wouldn't there? What's our next picture? And then the next. Yeah, all going together and all looking away the same way, same direction. That's a lovely picture of unity, isn't it? Those lovely wee birds sitting together so close and chirping. All the sheep going the one direction. Again, one of them turned the wrong way. What would happen? So, hallelujah. You know, we're here. We're called to keep unity um, and, and move forward. And BCC will fulfill our call as we work together. It's all of us together. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Well, I'd like to invite our seven new members, if you want to come up just now and form a wee line here in front. Um, I'm just going to read quickly our pledge to you as pastor and elders. Hallelujah. So we've... Uh, that's it. Oh, we'll all just stand in a wee line. That's it. So we've Stefan and Crystal and... Um, Emily and Sharon, Nora, Mary. This <laughs> is Mary no. and Selena and Donna. <laughs> so hallelujah. So to these um, to these new members, I'm just going to read out. You know what what we're. You've already signed this, but you know the elders and oversight of the church. We enter into a covenant relationship with you all, and we do solemnly accept this charge before God and the congregation committing ourselves to your spiritual welfare and protection, and by God's grace to serve you and be available at all times to the best of our abilities. And um, you all have agreed on your part and your commitment. And just for the church, these new members have committed to this. As a born-again Christian belonging to the Church of Jesus Christ, I hereby publicly identify myself with this local church, Bangor Community Church, accepting the privileges, responsibilities, and discipline of a committed member. I pledge myself by God's grace to be loyal to each member of the body and to serve them, living a life in accordance with the standard of the Word of God and keeping true and faithful to the basic requirements as listed. So you've all agreed to do that. And I just want to charge you all, uh, incoming members and the members of this congregation now, that you keep unity. You keep the unity. You endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Will you do that, church? Will you do that, new members coming in? So right now I want to just extend to you the right hand of fellowship. Hallelujah. Welcome to Bangor Community Church, Donna. It's lovely that the Lord has planted you here. Welcome, Selena. Welcome, Mary. We're going to hear more of your <laughs> jokes and cracks. And welcome, welcome, Nora, Bangor Community Church. And Sharon, welcome, welcome to Bangor Community Church. And Stefan, welcome. You've been here a long time. We formally welcome you. We formally welcome you, uh, Crystal. And 
Emily, Elizabeth, Annette. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. Praise God. You can take your seats. Hallelujah. Praise God. So God's called to build his house. We're called to build big people. Remember that? Amen. So hallelujah. Get out to prayer this week. It's going to be good. And toddlers, if you can help on Thursday through the week. And again, if you want to be involved in that music workshop, and even if it's for voice, you know, like Crystal can teach or give pointers in voice. So even if it's improving your voice, um, go for that. I'm sure many of you are saying, I wish I would, so I may show up too. So hallelujah. Let's just pray and close. And God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for, for how we've learned and heard more about the persecuted church, Lord. We thank you, Father God, of how, Lord, we've covered the scriptures on keeping unity, Father. And Lord, we're strong together. Hallelujah. And we thank you for the seven new members that we've welcomed into Banker Community Church. We thank you that you are building your house. Hallelujah. You are building your church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I just plead the blood over this congregation and every family member and extended family member represented by them. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at Bangor Community Church. Cool.uk or find us on Facebook.